0: This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 122. I'm James L. Rubart, but call me Jim. I'm
1: Thomas Umstead, Jr.
2: And I'm Tom Umstead, CPA. You can call me Tom.
0: <laughs> I love it. So in this episode, you might have already deduced that we're going to talk about tax issues with Tom Umstead, CPA. But I got to ask you first, Thomas, since you are junior and uh, your dad is here as senior, why are you not Tom, Jr.? Why are you Thomas, Jr.? How do,
1: what's, what's the story behind that? Well, so that's why I go by Thomas Umstead, Jr. Sometimes I put the junior in. It helps uh, people not be confused because sometimes somebody will come up to me like, wow, are you a CPA with 35 years of experience? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yes, it's quite impressive since I am not yet 35 years old. <laughs> I've <been Amazing>. doing, <laughs> Numbers are funny. Yeah, things. I've been doing accounting from the womb. Uh, so anyway, but uh, yeah, my dad is the kind of accountant. Uh, I grew up watching other accountants go to him for advice. In fact, right before we were recording, he had people calling him up, asking him questions. And these were other accountants, other CPA is wanting answers to questions uh, on how the tax law works so this guy uh, really knows what he's talking about in my admittedly biased opinion and I should say that he asked me several times not to call him an expert so I'll just let you make your determination on your own
0: (laughs) well and I and I've gotten I've gotten to know Tom over the last three or four years and he is he's an outstanding accountant but he's also an outstanding man so yeah it's it's great to have you here
1: yeah, good to be here, Jim. And I like eating Mexican food with you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so let's jump right in. I know a lot of people are nervous about uh, the new tax plan and what its implications are for authors and what has changed. So let's just kick that out. Uh, the Congress and the President passed a new tax plan uh, for, that takes effect mostly in 2018. What is the effect on authors? What are the biggest changes?
2: It's a pro-business thing. So the if you make a lot of money, then they're the rates are lower. That's whether you're an author or not. And so as long as you are indeed a business and not a hobby, then it really um, is a good thing. It's a good thing.
1: So what you're saying is for authors who've made that transition into being businesses, they can take advantage of some of the benefits, the pro-business benefits that are in this new tax law.
2: This uh, qualified business income 20% deduction, which probably works for publishing companies and and not so sure about authors that the law is still unclear about that but that's that's a new thing that replaces the old law
1: that's what you're saying is <laughs> um for traditional authors that get paid royalties from uh-huh. a publisher right. it's unclear if they get this uh, huge deduction but if you're a publishing company and if you're an indie author guess what you are a publishing company. Yeah, it probably uh, would work. Yeah, so which is a huge reason. Uh, we, we've been slowly on the show getting more and more pro self publishing. So when we started off, we were very. If you listen to our early episodes, Jim's a self or a traditionally published author. Now Jim is a hybrid author. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm now a self published author. And uh, if you weren't convinced by the marketing reasons to go indie, there are some potentially big tax reasons to go indie where once you become a publishing company you can take advantage of these discounts like this big 20% discount.
0: So Tom I have a question in regard to what is a business in terms of profit because I've talked to a lot of authors they're getting started they're going to conferences they're investing in books and all these kind of this kind of thing and they say but I'm not making any money how can I be considered a business uh, when I'm not making any money yet?
2: That's a very good question Uh, if you act like a business and do the different things that make you a business. Maybe you have an LLC, limited liability company. Maybe you have a separate bank account. You keep track of receipts and income. Maybe you don't make much income, but there are ways to make a little bit of income and a little bit of gross income is, is very helpful to make it look more like you're serious. And even though your net income, gross income minus expenses equal net income, your net income may be actually a loss, and that may go on for a number of years. It's very common, especially in the writing industry. And so there are a lot of IRS court cases out there that have gone one way or the other, and if if you dot all your I's and cross all your T's, they they allow uh losses one of them even up to 40 years worth of losses.
1: So what you're saying is I don't have to be profitable as an author to be a business as an author.
2: That is correct.
1: That the IRS looks at other things. What are a few things that the IRS looks at to determine whether if you're a business or a hobby? Well, the big biggest thing
2: I think is a profit motive. Like at some point you're going to make a m- money on this thing. And so there are nine different um Qualifications of whether or not something is a business and not a hobby, they're enumerated in many tax laws, and they're really trying to make it easy to understand: is this a business or is this just a hobby?
1: So, what are what are some of those things that the IRS looks at? Just for example.
2: Uh, expertise, time spent, whether or not it's primarily just pleasure oriented it's like no I can't enjoy my business anymore but they yeah you know pleasure oriented Um, if they have skills in this area or if they hire people with skills in this area uh, they're they're There are things like that.
1: So in other words, the kinds of things that we give you advice to do in this show may actually make you a business. Yes. Hiring an editor and getting trained and becoming good at writing and Mm -hmm. doing marketing. All of these things that we talk about makes (laughs) you look like a business which can then help you be a business in the eyes of the IRS, which then trigger all these wonderful tax deductions. Right. It's not just good marketing. uh, It's also good sense. (laughs) Nice. That's that's my son. (laughs) How much should authors pay in taxes?
2: How much as little as possible? <laughs> here, here. <laughs> All right. Well, there's an old saying uh, taken from the Bible: "Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's." I kind of like to misquote that: "We render unto Caesar only that which is Caesar's."
1: <laughs> so, so, there are legal ways of reducing uh, taxes. What can authors do in 2018? Because often the time to reduce taxes is in the current year, right? For the next year, mm-hmm. like it, it's illegal to like change things in like fraud and lie about what you did last year but well, you can
2: of course it's illegal
1: to change the way you act in 2018 so <laughs> right. that when you pay your taxes in 2019 you're paying less in taxes so mm-hmm. what are some things that some authors can do right now that will reduce their tax liability down the road
2: I think the biggest single thing i've seen is automobile expenses and there are a lot of good ways to keep a quote log unquote um, the a, a nice way is Mile IQ. It's a app you can get it for free and get the first ten or twenty drives every month, and it, that'll give you a percentage that you can apply to the whole rest of the year. Or you can buy the plan. And I don't know how much it costs, but for the whole shebang, and auto expenses really really help because you're already spending that anyway. And there's it, nothing better than taking deductions that you're going to spend anyway for those business trips. And one of the best ways to make the auto expenses higher is to have a home office. Home office requires it to be exclusively used, just the portion of your home or the portion of a room or maybe an entire room, exclusively used for your business practices. And, and so what that does is when you leave your home office to go to any business contact, that the, it's not you don't have commuting in that case. And commuting is a, is a huge expense.
1: So if I'm a part of a critique group, and I have a home office, right. and I drive from my home office to my critique group. Yes, all of those miles are tax deductible. I would say so. Yes, uh, and if I drive to the bank, that's a tax deductible. Sure, sounds like it. Now, what if I drive to Starbucks uh, to write uh, at Starbucks? Is that a tax deductible trip?
2: Uh, probably, if if you you know a lot of a lot of writers like they have half a dozen different favorite locations that they use. Maybe another home that they own uh maybe it's a a lake house or a or a ski lodge or something that they may also own and they go out there for a a few days to to really jump in if that's that kind of rider they might spend 12 or 16 hours a day riding with no no phone and no nothing um and so that you can be really uh, uh productive during those times and and so I think there's a pretty good business uh, purpose.
1: Excellent. What are some other things that they can do to reduce their taxes in 2019?
2: I think keeping good records is very important. Having a separate bank will facilitate that. Perhaps a separate credit card that's used only for business.
1: What I do is I have a separate credit card for my business. That's really the best way. Business, and it, that way it keeps it separate. So I'm not getting the same points. I have to get different points, one with my business and one with my personal. Uh, but ultimately, <laughs> it uh, makes my bookkeeping at the end of the year a lot easier. Right.
2: It does. And so separate bank account, separate credit card. And also, when you're making your drives, if you're aware of, is this going to be a business drive or is it not? You know, maybe you're driving by some office buildings because you think maybe you might want to uh, rent an office uh, space out of a building and you're kind of scoping out the neighborhood or something. Uh, Maybe you're doing some research for your book, Uh, you're driving to certain parts of town or the country. Maybe you writing about a ranch, and so you would go live on a ranch for a week or two, or maybe you're writing about a cruise liner, you know, something that happened on a cruise liner, and you need some experience being on a cruise liner. Um, you know that that sounds like a reasonable business expense. Okay,
1: Time out, time out. So you're saying that if I'm writing a say mystery that mm-hmm. takes place where someone's shot on a cruise ship, right, and I think that I need to go on a cruise to do research. For this book that I'm writing on a Mm -hmm. cruise ship, I can deduct the cruise?
2: Right. The the IRS specifically doesn't like that, but I have been talked into allowing those as deductions (laughs) by some of my writer's clients doing that very thing. (laughs) <laughs> but you know if you, if you can rationalize I feel like we have uh, yeah.
1: hundreds of books that take place on cruise <laughs> on the next year. Yeah, yeah so let's don't overload the, the
2: cru- market now the cruise
0: genre is going to kick
1: in yeah. I, I, I'm thinking cruise romance is going to be hot in right. 2019 I'm predicting it you heard it here first, first
2: what first. have we begotten <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, so I, I know a common question, and uh, Jim, I know you've been uh, hearing people ask this question, is about whether or not to have an LLC or an S-Corp. Uh, this is, uh, what is the good advice when it comes to forming a business entity?
2: Yeah, let's talk about an LLC. There's so much misunderstanding about what in the world is that. An LLC stands for Limited Liability, and what's the C? Company. company. It is not a limited liability corporation, so an LLC, limited liability company. I'm stressing that because people misunderstand this all the time. So, limited liability company is a legal animal of whatever state you're in in the United States. So, what it is is it's just a an entity that is not your name as an individual, but you act like that. Now, that's the default. Now, if that LLC, the limited liability company, wants to be a partnership, because maybe there are two owners or more, then it can do that. If it wants to be some kind of a corporation, like an S corporation or a C corporation, it can do that.
1: Wait, so timeout. So you're saying LLCs can be corporations as far as the federal government is concerned? Correct. So it's not a matter of choosing between a corporation and an LLC, The LLC can be whatever kind of corporation you need it to be to maximize your tax advantages. Yes.
2: And that's one of the reasons I prefer LLCs over an S corporation, because you can file and become an S corporation by your state government, the secretary of state of whatever state you're in. And sure enough, that's what you are. Now, if you want to change from that to be a partnership, let's say, that's a little trouble. Uh, You got to refile all kinds of stuff. Or if you want to become a C-Corporation instead of an S-Corporation, that's a little bit of a trouble. But if you're an LLC, you can go back and forth between the four major types of entities, uh, which are a sole proprietorship, which is taxed as a Schedule C on your 1040, also known as a disregarded entity. You can be a partnership, you can be an S-Corporation, or you can be a C-Corporation. You can be other things that I don't think is a good idea, but...
0: Let's talk just for a moment for people who are not familiar with the LL part of the LLC and that's the limited liability cuz liability that's one of the advantages and one of the reasons I've been a limited liability company for a long long time is the liability aspect. Can you touch on that?
2: Well, it's really a legal question that an attorney uh should answer. Uh attorneys have told me that um <laughs> there's the qualification there. Uh the that that you do get some limited to the liability in it. And a lot of times, it's things you don't think of. Things like uh, one of your employees are driving for the purpose of the limited liability company and they get in a car accident. I'm told that it's harder, if you have that situation, it's harder for the, the person that was injured to sue the owner of the LLC. They sue the LLC and they sue the person driving and they sue the insurance companies thereof but it's harder to pierce the, that "quote unquote" corporate veil, even though it's not a corporation. But it, there's a the liability prote- protection. Yeah, so so
1: just just to give some examples for authors, if you're an author and you don't have an LLC and you've written a book and another author sues you for copyright infringement, right. they can go after everything you own. And in some states, that even means your house, where they're like, oh, you've violated this law and now your house is my house, which is huge. You're putting all of your assets at risk. Uh, and it's very scary. And the other way around, so let's say you get into a car accident or you do something else and you own the copyright in your own name, they can seize that copyright. Uh, so it's, I, I personally believe as a business person, it's if you once you have something on Amazon and you're receiving some revenue, if you're an indie author or even a traditionally published author who's received a royalty, it's very important to have a limited liability company that owns the copyright to your book. So, uh, what are some expenses that authors can deduct?
2: Business expenses on their business, things like supplies and and seminars and education and uh, web hosting services and buying these things that you can buy online that, that help you better yourself as an uh, author. So like a five-year
1: course on how to becoming a best-selling author? Just purely yeah. coincidentally? <laughs> That's
2: a great, great, yeah, things like that. And um, and so if you're already an author and you're improving your skills as an author, yeah, that would, that would work. Uh, I've already mentioned uh, some car expenses and home offices are great. A lot of people worry, although I haven't heard any CPA say this, I've heard non CPAs say that CPA said this, but <laughs> that home offices are red flags. I I have never seen that in practice. They're just not. Um so I,
1: I saw a statistic somewhere that like fifty five percent of companies in the United States are based out of homes. Hmm. Uh, wow! It's just because then not in terms of money, obviously, because a lot of these companies are really small, but mm-hmm. every home I've lived in since I graduated from college, heck, since before I graduated from college has yeah. been uh, the home of my company I've yep. had, I've been starting companies since I was in college. And uh, I know a lot of other people have, have businesses set in their uh, home. So if the IRS were going after every single person who had a home office, that'd be going after You know, a huge percentage of the population.
0: Well, another thing about home offices just, and and I've done this for years, is I write off a small percentage of my utilities. So it's not just the home office. I'm also writing off a tiny amount of my electric bill and my heating bill and and some of these things as well. Uh, So there's there's there's. Definite advantages to having that. Well, I, actually, I actually built a, a, a I, somebody put in a storage shed and I finished it out on the inside and I call it my shed quarters, so it's actually physically uh, apart from my home. But there's some other advantages to having the home office in terms of ongoing expenses that you can write off. The worldwide headqu- shed quarters of James L.
1: Rubart Incorporated.
2: Well, let me ask you a question about the shed quarters, Jim, if you don't mind. So if, if the shed quarters was only about five or ten square feet and that's all you used exclusively for business, or if it was someplace in your house, let's say, versus half of your house or three quarters of your house being a home office, do you think there'd be any difference of when you left your home office to go to a business trip that 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 would change the miles at all as far as the business miles. Would that be a
0: difference? Yeah. It would? Difference? No
1: gotcha questions on the novel market. Where are the ones who ask the questions around <laughs> Sorry. here? Sorry. Because, Tom, think about,
0: <laughs> to think about this, Tom. I'm traveling maybe 50 feet to get to the... <laughs> right. To car. To that's get to your headquarters. <laughs>
2: right. Well, that's your commute is 50, right? That's feet, my commute, right? right. Okay. So but but as far as your car expenses, right. those right. would be the same, yes, right? They would. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh-huh. So even if you just have one desk in a house, with and that would limit your your actual like utilities and home insurance and taxes and whatnot or rent if you're renting, it'd limit that amount, but it wouldn't limit your driving amount. Correct your mileage. So the mileage is a huge deduction. It's usually much 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 bigger than the actual home office deduction. So that that helps you uh, get a whole lot more uh, business miles if you have a home office.
1: All right, I'm going to ask you a real softball question here, and that is, uh, when does an author need a CPA?
2: Okay, when they get big enough, when they're actually making money or they're spending a lot of money, and they're wondering these que- about these questions that we're talking about right now. Now, any good CPA, me hopefully included, I don't want to t- touch anybody unless I can save them three or five times my bill, sometimes 10 or 20 times, in taxes sometimes it's a huge amount, but uh, other times it's just not a whole lot, or maybe they just don't want to go through all the hassle of going through the paperwork. And you know, then I guess there's a service there, but 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 when do they need it? Is when the numbers get big and you're you get a feeling, gosh, you know, I'm could be losing out on something here and probably should go by. And, and a good CPA will talk to you for. 15, 30 minutes for free, usually.
1: And it's typically a case of spend $1,000 to save $3,000 or Mm $4,000, which, uh, you know, hey, I'll take that deal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good ratio.
1: (laughs) If it were, hey, spend spend $1,000 in marketing to sell $4,000 worth of books, I'd be like, oh, I'm buying all those ads I can possibly get. So Mm -hmm. so, it seems like a good idea uh, to me. So where can people find out more about you? Well, I have a website. It's
2: taxmantom.com. TaxmanTom.com. I know it's a stupid <laughs> website name. Of
0: no, it. that could be a jingle. We should make a jingle for you, Tom. <laughs> no!
1: <laughs> Don't sing any Beatles music. We will yes. get sued. So anyway, uh, this episode of the Novel Marketing uh, Podcast is brought to you by the 2018 Tax and Business Tips course for authors. This is a course where I sit down with my dad. and We talk in a lot more detail about what we've talked about. And if you're doing your taxes yourself, if you're like, I'm not ready for a CPA. This can be an incredible investment uh, to saving you money and helping you understand how to take advantage of these. So we've kind of skimmed along the surface, but there's a lot more uh, tax deductions that we haven't talked about. We also uh, have a. I have a course that I taught uh, on how to create a business plan. I just delivered this to a bunch of best-selling authors a couple weeks ago. And that training that I do on creating a business plan for authors is going to be in the course as well as a business plan template specifically for independently published authors. So if you're an indie author and you're like, oh, putting together a business plan seems like a lot of work, it's going to be super easy. I'm going to walk you through it. Simple questions. It doesn't have to be this bit. You're not creating a public company there's no sec filings it doesn't have to be a hundred pages it can be just one or two pages and i walk you through step by step how to do that And we also talk about 19 different tax deductions that authors can take advantage of and five ways to reduce your chances of being audited. So if you're afraid of being audited, (laughs) this may be worth the price of admission just for learning about how to reduce your likelihood of being audited. And it's more than just tax advice. We're also giving lots of business advice. So if you're ready to make that transition between being a hobbyist and taking this more seriously and being a business, I really encourage you uh, to take this course. And um, it's going to be way cheaper than talking to an actual CPA. (laughs) So it's $99 uh, for the entire course. It's several hours of training and it comes with a 30-day refund. So you can take the course, you go through all the training, and if you don't feel like it was worth it to you, we will refund your money and you get to keep the knowledge that's already in your head. So to find out (laughs) more about that, go to authormedia.com forward slash tax tips
0: that's authormedia.com forward slash tax tips. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. and Tom Umstead Sr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.